Welcome to this podcast on digital responsibility. There's a vibrant community across the world at the moment driving forward corporate digital responsibility, which includes a range of aspects from digital ethics, digital for the environment, sustainability, digital well-being, inclusion, accessibility, and more. My name is Rob Price, one of the founders of Corporate Digital Responsibility back in 2017. If you'd like to know more, have a look at the website corporatedigitalresponsibility.net. Hello and welcome to season two, episode eight of the Corporate Digital Responsibility podcast. I'm your guest host, Michelle, and today's topic is incredibly important for the world that we live in today. It's corporate digital responsibility done right, discussing the impact created by truly inclusive digital initiatives. So the three of us will be discussing socioeconomics, race, identity, and how CDR, diversity and inclusion, and corporate social responsibility initiatives have shaped our lives for the better. So um, I'm your host, Michelle, as I said. Thank you very much, Rob and Chris, for having me. Um, I'm joined by Timmy Shamboyo and Roger Percy Lister. So let's do a round of introductions. Timmy, do you want to introduce yourself first and tell us a bit more about who you are, where you come from, and why you're interested? Firstly, thank you for the invitation to jump on a podcast, Rob. Um, really looking excited, really looking forward to the conversation. Um, I think it'll be a great one. My background is uh, I graduated from the University of Nottingham about four years ago um, from the business school then went on to have a career at a payments technology company, Worldline, um, in the roles of products manager and then lean consultant. Um, And I guess my time in that space played a big role um, in getting me to where I am now, which is um, about to launch a a tech product, which I'll probably talk a bit more about um, on this call. And it was a really interesting period as well with regards to some of the work I did there in and around diversity and inclusion as it pertains to race and trying to help people understand a bit about black culture um, some of our lived experiences um, and educate them on that front that sounds really exciting and I can't wait to hear more about your new venture Roger do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself yeah of course Uh, first of all obviously thanks Michelle and thanks Rob for uh, inviting me on this podcast Uh, we're looking forward to the conversations Um, so yeah my name is Roger Pastelista I was born in Sri Lanka, raised in Italy, and moved to London like 10 years ago. Uh, My background, I graduated in 2019 at Imperial College London. I did chemical engineering. And then for the last two years now, I've been working at Barclays, so in the investment banking side of things. Um, But obviously, the reason why I was really kind of looking forward to joining the podcast is because I've been involved, uh, a pleasure of being involved in a number of organizations that, you know, work with um, social mobility issues and uh, uh, especially helping young people uh, in terms of mentoring and access to opportunities. Um, so obviously uh, digital um, digital opportunities are so important for this. Um, so yeah. Brilliant and just a bit more about myself. I'm Michelle. I graduated from King's College London with a degree in geography. I then uh, went on to get a master's from the London School of Economics in Environment and Development. Um, I'm an incoming uh, sustainable business consultant at EY. And the reason that I am so passionate about this topic in particular is growing up, I realized I was put into a lot of buckets that were considered to be disadvantaged background. So I was born abroad, English wasn't my first language. I went to state school. And as you grow up, you realize disparities are so prominent. 
Um, I think going forward, I want to really open doors for people. Um, I don't want people to be put into buckets that will um, really disadvantage them going forward um, and what they can achieve from their lifestyles. And I think podcasts like this are so important because they create conversation. Um, anyone who's actually interested in creating an impact can listen and do something tangible about it. Which then brings me on to Timmy. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you entered the tech world um, and then you can tell us a bit more about your venture please. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, I, I fell into tech completely by accident. Um, but in being here, you know, I've become an advocate for people of um, people from low socioeconomic backgrounds really pursuing um, roles within the space. Um, just because tech is amazing in terms of the leverage and the scale it allows you to approach certain solutions and the impact it allows you to have. Um, but a bit about how I got into it. So when I was in my final year of university, I started applying for graduate roles as you do. Um, and they were typically geared towards uh, consulting. For me, that was kind of the parallel of my skill set. Um, but I was really unsuccessful. I sent out hundreds of applications, but um, most of the big consulting firms weren't trying to give me a shot. Um, so I ended up in Atos uh, because they had a consulting department and working for their subsidiary at the time, which was Worldline. Um, as a product manager and it was weird because I, I didn't even know what a product manager was um, so how I got the job is still a bit beyond me but it was a really kind of fortunate event um, so in my role as a product manager and then as a lean consultant I really got to understand the kind of end-to-end -end spectrum of how technology products and solutions are built you know how the teams work together um, and have insight into different ways to solve problems, right? And for me, it was just so great to be able to look at some of the problems that only people like me, and by people like me, I mean, as a young black man, are privy to, you know, and then start to look at those problems through the lens of technology and how that could solve it. Um, and that was how I got in and around to building Cotter, which is the venture I'm working on. So Cotter is a platform that allows people to download images um, which kind of authentically represent black culture and communicate those stories um, in working on a, a business a couple months back i was designing a website um, and i was looking for some graphics to support it um, which were aimed at a black demographic and i came across an issue which was that you know representation of black individuals black stories black experiences online is very difficult um, and the kind of current incumbents in the space of providing, I guess, stock photography weren't really serving that niche. Um, and for me, I saw it as a really good opportunity to kind of unbundle that market. Um, and also having conversations with kind of black photographers going forward, it was also a really good opportunity to carve out a space uh, for black creators within, you know, what we call the creator economy and the gig economy, which is, you know, how can we really empower people to turn their passion into a profession? You know, how can we kind of create a structure that allows people to proper, properly leverage their skills to distribute it and to monetize it well? Um, and so that's how we got here. You guys will be very, very aware that, you know, increasingly you get more and more people who are able to earn a living off of their passions, you know, literally making money, doing the things that they love. Um, and I'm a firm believer in, you know, the kind of economic model moving towards that 
in the near future. And it's, we were looking at, okay, well, how can we facilitate that transition for black photographers? You know, how can we look at new methods of distribution of monetization um, of these digital assets? You know, how can we even change their perspectives of how they look at photography and look at photos from, you know, getting paid for one shoot um, versus using technology to leverage one particular photo in multiple use cases. Um, so that's where we got to. Uh, and it's been a really exciting process so far, a really exciting journey. Um, and we're really looking forward to launching in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're, I'm really looking forward to see what you guys create, because the way I see your platform, um, not only is it providing amaz amazing, inclusive imagery for people and for the masses, but it's also providing young people with role models. You don't want to see a stereotypical, generic type of, you know, black persona. You want Absolutely. to see really accomplished people um, that young people can look up to. And speaking of creative, now, Roger, you've got quite a creative background. Do you want to share about how that links into CDR and what your experiences have been? Yeah, sure. Um, so initially, I, mean, I wouldn't say I've uh, had a creative background, you know, from when I was young. I think it's something that I kind of fell into very recently, actually. Um, so I think like a year ago, I got involved into the modeling and fashion industry. Um, so initially getting signed as a model and speaking about what Roti, um, Timmy said, it's, um, it's all about representation. So I think the agency that I'm signed with currently, um, they made a strong push, um, one of the first ones in the, in the, in the region, actually, a strong push towards uh, greater representation. And mainly for you know black uh, black skin and uh, South Asian skin, right? Because if you look at the modeling industry, you know, in 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 the last uh, kind of you know 20, 30, 50 years, it's been predominantly white. But in the in kind of recent times, especially after the um, Black Lives Matter movement, um, which also helped other ethnic minorities uh, to gain better representation. So since since kind of that movement, uh, you've seen brands kind of push more towards greater representation and greater inclusivity, which makes sense from a, obviously business standpoint, right? Because you want to um, put role models and put representation on TV and adverts that uh, mirror your audience. And if you look at, you know, most consumers in the world, we are all diverse. Um, but apart from the business standpoint, obviously on a human level, um, this is kind of what we need in, in business, right? So you can look at the economics of it, and it makes sense money-wise, but in terms of a business that caters for, for, for the consumers, and consumers are essentially people, right? So you want to empower them, you want them to feel at ease with your product, and you want them to actually get a good connection with the brand, right? So that's where kind of diversity and inclusivity comes in. So I'm like super, you know, super happy and proud to kind of be involved and be signed with an agency that has that as the kind of core beliefs. So um, yeah, that's kind of uh, mm. uh, my way into the industry. But if I look at kind of my background before this, I've always had um, a kind of, I wouldn't say identity issues, but a very mixed identity, let's say. I think you guys can relate to this slightly, but um, you know, I was born in Sri Lanka as a you know, Tamil and then moved to Italy when I was really young um, and uh, lived in Italy for 14 years. and. Uh, um, I pretty much lived as an Italian there. I felt Italian. Uh, but if I looked uh, kind of around me, most businesses and most people I would see on TV and people kind of in my school and all the different industries that I was kind of looking at as a young kid, everyone was predominantly white. 
So I love the issues and challenges that, you know, you see businesses and even us kind of talking about right now. These are issues that, you know, most people in Italy are not even aware of just because you have a lack of, um, of uh, people with those challenges, so people in, with color, uh, South Asian or black or whatever, uh, in positions of power. Mm-hmm. So even if you think about now, we get to speak about this because we have people like Timmy, people like Michelle, um, people like Rob who are aware of these issues, these challenges. And we are in a situation, in a position to actually use our education and our resources to make a change, yeah. which is why I'm super kind of happy about uh, Timmy's venture. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. And I completely agree with you. So if I share my perspective on these things, I came to England when I was about four, not knowing a word of English um, and like like went to a state school. I realised growing up and I think the, the moment of realisation for me was my first day at university where two worlds collided you had one half of maybe even three quarters of the room our lecture theatre was like 200 people um private school you know really privileged luxury lifestyles their parents were partners at big fancy firms whereas I'd come in from a very standard state school did really well in life but had no idea about what the outside world held and I remember applying for jobs near graduation thinking, oh my God, I don't even know what professional services is. And there's so many of my friends that have parents that work in the UN, are partners at the big four and stuff. And I think the way that CDR links in for me is very much in the CSR side of things. So what do corporate social responsibility initiatives actually have to entail? Um, and I think this is where the likes of the Bright Network, SEO London, Barclays Life Skills, which are like these job um, diversity inclusion websites that promote people from disadvantaged backgrounds to get involved, to get mentorship and to get access to pathways they would never have. And I can truly say if it wasn't for CDR and CSR initiatives, I wouldn't have got a job at Deloitte. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have the skill set. And I think, I mean, relinking this back to the, the title of this podcast and what we're trying to achieve, it's about opening doors and it's about setting an example of what corporate digital responsibility done right looks like and the impact that it creates on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's diversity in what we see, whether that's diversity in what we have access to or whether it's diversity in what we feel, um, I think that's really important. But one thing I'm always curious about is I guess, what drives people to choose the careers or the industries in which they work in? Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd just be interested in hearing kind of both of your stories as to how you ended up at Deloitte and then I think Alchemy um, and how you ended up at Barclays, Roger. Or what drove you to kind of want to work there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Roger, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's a tough one to answer, if I have to be honest, but I'll you know, give it my best shot. Um, you know, when I, so when I lived in Italy, um, you know, if you look, if you look at kind of the industries that people would be, um, people would be looking into, um, straight after university, uh, they're very slim, very slim compared to the UK. And the reason for that is in the south, south of Italy, predominantly, a lot of the jobs are very much, um, through recommendations, right? So you have a lack of uh, opportunities on top of that, you have a great demand for jobs and, um, then on top of that, you have the fact that you need a recommendation to get jobs because 
a lot of businesses in Italy, at least, are family owned. So I think, you know, in my opinion, that was probably the biggest challenge there. So when I kind of moved to London, I a whole new world kind of opened up, right? Because of the access to the, you know, a great access to the internet, a great access to uh, digital services. You had charities like SGO and Upreach that provided with a lot more information. So that's when I kind of realized, okay, it's not just engineering. It's not just, uh, you know, becoming a teacher or a policeman or a fireman. Mm-hmm. I can actually join the financial industries um, in financial service industries like, you know, mergers and acquisition, which is a very competitive industry to be in. And if you look at Italy, that's, you know, it's a very small, minute industry, um, very much closed off to most of graduates uh, in the country. Um, you need to be from Bocconi or from, uh, you know, Sapienza, which are top, top elite universities um, in, the, in Italy. Um, yeah, so I think what drove me to, join um you know financial services it was mainly that that challenge so i think because i came from a place where i wasn't expected to join these big places i felt like a commitment to myself and to prove it to myself and my family that mm-hmm. you know yeah. i i could do better than what i was meant to be Absolutely. you know if you look at the stats i think michelle said it very nicely like you know i couldn't speak english I, I'm a current carer, you know, living council housing, free school meals. So for me, it was that personal drive, you know, if I can do it, then, you know, my friends and, you know, young people that I mentor and work with, they can do it too. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a short answer. I don't think it was short, but <laughs> I tried. <laughs> no, it was a really insightful one though. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I think my, mine's a continuation of that, to be honest as well, like coming here, the background that I have, I'm an only child, again, went to the same school as Roger. I've had a lot of similar experiences growing up. Things for us are hard, really, really hard. We have to experience things the hard way. We have to do things alone. We have to learn in a really difficult way. Um, For me, it's been the case of what can I do to ensure the best future for myself, um, Mm. for my future generations, and also for my mom who works so hard. Yeah. Um, us into this country I think going forward like I'm starting a new job in August which is sustainability based that's my passion that's what I'm Congrats. really writing about thank you so much thank you but yeah that's that's what I think I will enjoy and I think partially going forward as well it's kind of breaking the cultural barrier as well um, mm. my family wanted me to become a doctor because everyone else is a doctor and that's all they know I think partially the case for me was actually you know I'm good at something else and I want to be good at that and I want to share my knowledge um, and yeah. share those things. So, you know, it's breaking out of these traditional paths as well. Yeah. It's important for me. Do you know what? Um, both your answers were, were, were brilliant and it was it was interesting because I, I have a similar answer as to why I chose the career yeah. path I did. Um, and what I really wanted to pull out of that was when you're from a um, traditionally kind of low socioeconomic background, what it means is that when it comes to looking for work, you naturally have a desire to kind of earn as much as possible, um, not just for yourself, like you said, Michelle, for your family, right? Um, yeah, like you said, Roger, to kind of prove um, that you were capable of kind of slugging it at the top. Um, but th- th- my, my issue with that is that we're sometimes deprived of really exploring where we are perfectly placed in the world where we could have the most impact because our priority is changing our situation. Um, And so I'm really, really pleased that you're moving into 
um, sustainability, which you said is your passion. And I know, Roger, we had a previous conversation earlier where you're exploring kind of moving into places which have more synergies with, I guess, who you are as an individual. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it draws back to one of the earlier episodes on this, uh, on this podcast. I think it was with Ken Banks, who works at Yoti. Um, it was the episode on social purpose uh, or social good, rather. And I thought about it. So he had a background um, working all across Africa um, in tech, uh, helping people out. Uh, and I was just curious in a sense of tech is this kind of big lever, which, as we mentioned, kind of accelerates social good. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what I asked myself was how many people are there like Ken who go out of their way to find other people's problems or other, dem- other demographics problems and use technology to solve that? Because if we only have, I guess, white people with backgrounds and exposures to technology, then you're sort of dependent and reliant on them to solve problems. And the issue with that is that, you know, white people don't have the same lived experiences that people of color do. And so their scope and visibility of, of which problems to solve um, is probably limited, um, which is why I'm really passionate about kind of more people of color getting into roles that they love, um, especially within technology um, and, and, and paying it forward, you know, for people coming behind us to show that this is a viable route um, and you can do a lot in this space. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's such a smart point to make because I think that's also the idea that you may not, it may not even be the color of your skin. You could have someone else who is socioeconomically disadvantaged who is able Mm -hmm. to rise up in the ranks and bring their community um, and their wider family with them, increase that knowledge, increase that scope and the access they have to a perceived better life. And I think that's such a smart point. I completely agree. Yeah, I I fully agree. I think uh, me and Timmy were talking about this and we, you know, we both agreed on one point, which was if you look at diversity, okay, you can look at diversity of color and diversity of of social classes, right? But ultimately both of these and, uh, millions of other factors both combined to diversity of, of thought right which is mm-hmm. such a important uh, you know important value to have as a as a you know as a company yeah. or even as a as a person trying to solve a problem right i think with kind of timmy's company for example his his startup um you know if uh, timmy i don't think if if someone was white and was trying to um, get involved in the industry uh, you know they probably wouldn't solve this particular problem right it would be tough for them to to identify this issue unless they had a team or we're talking to people who were black who had this exact um, problem right yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and i think um, maybe we can round it off and say that in order to be truly inclusive you have to be truly inclusive and use technology and use platforms to understand about people's problems issues do something about it um yeah yeah and and i just kind of topped that up with um it starts with things like this it starts with conversation um because and and this is a lesson i learned at worldline it was that it wasn't that people were racist it's that people didn't know they hadn't been exposed to some of the issues other people face right and it's if we don't talk about it if we don't have visibility of the different struggles we have as individuals then we can't kind of come together and address the issues and solve the issues or provide that different perspective. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy for, for podcasts like these that give us a platform to have these kind of conversations. Definitely. Yeah, definitely agree. You know, uh, you know, I think conversations like these and 
platforms like this, they make people comfortable with speaking about these personal issues. Um, because sometimes you feel like you might be um, either kind of scared to talk about this because you might say the wrong thing. Um, but having those conversations just helps uh, future, future employees, students and young people realize, you know what, you know, these struggles I'm having as a young person, you know, these are struggles that even an employer um, is having, an employee or someone uh, who's kind of older than me is having as well. Um, so that, you know, if I was a young person listening to this podcast, I would, I would feel quite kind of confident or at least uh, at peace that, you know, my issues are also the issues of uh, someone that kind of looks at me uh, 10 years down the line, let's say. That, that makes a really good concluding point, to be honest, I think. It's that, I mean, hats off to Chris and to Rob for running discussion points like this and allowing people like us to share our views on the world. Um, and it's one of those things, if you happen to be a big corporation or you're heading up a new operational change or diversity inclusive initiative within your organization, please make time to listen to podcasts like these. Please make time to understand wider issues in the world. Um, and please make time to try and resolve those issues in meaningful ways. So if we haven't got anything to add, I think that's been an amazing discussion. Um, and thank you again so much for speaking, Roger and to me. Um, and thank you again, Rob and Chris, for having us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.